Moffaday, and welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. 3.04 p.m. on Friday, March 31st. Glad to have you with us today. This is episode 210. 210 episodes. We've been doing this show for over four years. Friday afternoons, 3 to 5 p.m., with you, live, local, talking variety. Intended to entertain you a little bit, to edify you a little bit, build you up in your Christian walk, to encourage you. Definitely want to put a smile on your face, if possible. If if your face can smile, we would like that to happen sometime during this two-hour period of time. And if you'd like to smile three times this weekend, listen now. Listen Saturdays from noon to 2, and listen Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m. That's at least three smiles this weekend that you hadn't budgeted in. These are like above and beyond smiles. You'll be in the black when in the smile category. And actually, if you download the podcast from khmg.org, it's perpetual smiling. Just saying. Glad you're with us today, listening on KHMG, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. I say worldwide headquarters, and it kind of sounds big. We're we're actually kind of a small operation. However, we have an expanding impact globally. We're broadcasting through Transworld Radio. Not this program, but Harvest Family Radio produces a Heart of Harvest Asia broadcast that literally reaches an area that covers billions in population. And that's an opportunity for us to get the gospel out. And then, of course, we broadcast on the internet. Live Till Five's there, as well as other programs that we produce here. Take Note, Building Great Leaders, Living Redemptively, Heart of Harvest, all on khmg.org. Go to the website, and there are a number of different ways you can download the podcasts, or you can listen in real time. Just go to the website, khmg.org. Also, let us know you're listening. You can contact us through the website, or you can go to Harvest Family Radio on Facebook and give us a little thumbs up. Just follow us and leave us a comment. What do you think about the the show? What do you think about the station? We'd love to hear from you. Our Facebook page is constantly updated. Every time we upload a new broadcast to our website, we try to put it out on the Facebook page so that people know that they can click right there and listen That includes the Live Till 5 podcast, which will be uploaded shortly after the program's over. So Chris's work is never done uploading these podcasts because he stays on Friday evening to make sure that uh, people can listen to the podcasts of this show throughout the weekend and load it in for Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m. We know many people can't listen for two straight hours. I mean, who has time like that? Unless you do. And uh, we are wanting to make sure that we kind of hit different little slices of the radio audience by offering the show at three different times, live on Fridays from 3 to 5 p.m., Saturday afternoons, noon to 2, Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m., right here on KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, 88.1 FM, way down at the bottom left side of the dial, stereo, beautiful quality, Check us out. If you, if you 
just come across our radio station, you're flipping the dials, stay with us. I think you'll have fun this two hours. We have a number of things that we get to do during these two hours, including stories that I call stranger than fiction, because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. This Day in History with Lawrence Nagengast. Our topic of the day, idioms, the buck stops here, which are famous quotes from people, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, plus the news and a bunch of just gabbing with each other here, just talking about all different kinds of things. So one of the things we also have been doing recently is adding in our Harvest Highlights to our Friday afternoon ensemble, and we're going to do that today as well. So I'm going to take a short break, and during the break, we'll listen to a little Harvest Highlights. So this is Live Till 5, KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Stick around for two hours of live local fun radio broadcasting and harvest highlights coming up in just a few seconds. back with a little more live till 5 3 15 p.m on this friday march 31st joined in studio by lawrence sebastian and chris have you guys ever like forgot how many days are in different months or is that just me i never know how many you days never know are. okay i use a calendar so i don't <laughs> yes i, I well yeah, i know of course I I, I, every track. once in a while, I forget <laughs> that March has 31 days. It's mm-hmm. one of those. I know well, you have the whole. It's rhyme. every other. It's every other month is 31 or something else, except July and August that go back to back. Which would be one sixth if it's except those, but it's every other. Yeah. So it's That's 31. More, I'm even more confused. 31, yep. 28, 31, 30, 31, 30, 31, 31, 30, 31, 30, 31. Nope. No. Wow, that's why you're in the role you're in. <laughs> Just that's saying, part of the principal entrance with 31, exam. and it goes every other month with either. Could we just round down all of them are 29 from now on? Yeah, that and would then almost a few bonus be the days at the math. end of the year. Yes, if everyone was 30 and we just yeah. Wow, <laughs> February's wow. the weird one. Mess up but. some birthdays though. Yeah, well March yeah. <laughs> 31st. March. How would you explain that? Yeah. yeah, and then you have the leap years. Yep, that's But confusing. that's still an odd month. Either yep. way, it's a, my that's, uncle was yep. born on a leap day. And so, so he's he is, only like 19. Exactly. Yeah, he's <laughs> in his late mid 60s and he so uh, like has only celebrated the actual birthday, you know, one fourth of that many times. How many that is? So like right. 16 times, I mm-hmm. guess. So, that's yeah. Terrible. All right. Well, because we're actually a little ahead of schedule, which is so unusual for us here. Uh, usually we're running behind schedule. I just wanted to take a little time and remind people that this segment's brought to you by <laughs> Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore, the best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless varieties of coffees, teas, baked goods, Christian music, books, and gifts, including the largest selection of Yankee candles in all of the Netherlands, 
also known as Holland. I go there every day. Not the Netherlands, also known as Holland, but the hub, Hebrews. I like it a lot. Guys, we are all... I might have exaggerated a little bit on that. I don't know how many Yankee candles are in the Netherlands. But I assume that we have more. But it's I'm an optimist. They're probably not Yankee. No, they don't even... No. Dutch. Dutch, Dutch lights. Yes, that's right. Yeah, sure. I saw this uh, Although I picture think, today, speaking yeah. of the Netherlands, mm-hmm. of these aerial, kind of like you're looking out of a plane, of tulip season. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, They're the like exporter of like, all the flowers yeah. in the world. Yeah. It's it's unbelievably beautiful. What a beautiful segue you just created unintentionally because my topic of the day is the Netherlands, also known as Holland. Ah. Yes. And, We're going to talk about Queen Beatrix and everything. Oh, Queen Beatrix. Yes. I met a guy when I was in Bangkok mm-hmm. from The Hague. Really? And I said, you're from The Hague. You have That's like the world um, judiciary system, yes, I guess. If for the world, yeah, like the for world war, war crimes. War and crimes. Things, and yeah. Th- yeah. But he was from there. Yeah. So we had a grand time together. Wow. I'll maybe tell you a little bit more about that trip. I haven't been here since uh, yeah, that's beginning right. of the month. It that's feels right. like a long time ago, but uh, good to be back. That's right. Well, that's a microphone, and those are headphones, and this is a drink <laughs> I'm not from that the lost. Okay, all Especially right. the drink part. I yes. uh, fit right in there. Well, for those uh, playing along at home, we all get free drinks from Hebrews Coffee Shop and Bookstore downstairs. Uh, we are on the third floor, directly above the coffee shop here on Harvest Campus. It's open Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. There are still 40 minutes left, so if you're in car line right now, just pull into a parking spot, go into the coffee shop, and get one of these drinks that we're going to talk about right now. So we drink. We don't know what the drinks are. We just give you our description visually, taste, smell, things like that, texture, temperature, um, you know, how they compare to the color of trousers, things like that. And then uh, you go in and you order the same drink and it makes us feel really good when we've heard that someone heard about our drinks on the radio and then they go in and order those drinks so chris what are you drinking there my drink has a brown color a a tea color Uh, if you were uh, describing the color you would say that it looks like tea Mm -hmm. i believe it is tea there is ice in this drink it is an iced tea drink it has a uh sort of a fruity flavor to it that is additional to the tea. I think that is. I I, I think it's been added. Is it mango? It it could be mango. Mm. It could be peach. That's what they do a it's, lot of. Yeah, I think they. I think they have added Which is that. Good. I like it though, mm-hmm. quite a lot. I I've never gotten anything like this down there, and actually I haven't had one for what's in my coffee either. Yeah, you're so a mocha guy. I like it. I'm pretty much. I've been getting just a small coffee lately. I've adjusted that. I enjoy, speaking of which, I don't know if we've talked about it up here, but they now have two size versions down there. Yes. I get the smaller version yes. pretty much every time. Yes. Most of the time when I go places, I'm like, oh, I'll pay the extra 30 cents to get the other, the larger size. But I realize I, I just don't need it, nor do I even finish it most of the time. So I've really? enjoyed the smaller <laughs> sizes of things. Yeah, I like the small one too. I, I always get, get the small. bigger one. Yeah. Well, You're a bigger guy, Sebastian. I, yeah, I, he's he's not a small, frail uh, lady or whatever I said earlier. Uh, well, they've been serving a Brazil Brazil uh, coffee bean, Brazil coffee blend this week, and I must say that the Brazil coffee blend, similar to the Costa Rica, is very smooth. Mm-hmm. If you like smooth coffee. I would compare it a little bit to a Dunkin' Donuts uh, quality of coffee. D&D. Very smooth. I know people that don't even drink a lot of coffee or have been drinking Brazil this week. I mean, anecdotal I should evidence. try that. I yeah. haven't gotten the Brazil Very yet. tasty. Very tasty. So you have a tea that you think could 
have yeah. mango or peach. It's or mango okay. or peach, I think. Okay, all right. And Sebastian, what did yours taste like back before you drank it all? <laughs> back before I drank it all. <laughs> well, I want you to imagine mm. a very cold climate, okay, I'm like there. Alaska or something. Yes. Okay, you're in an igloo or something like that. Oh, boy, that's a stereotype. Okay, yeah. And now you have this fire, and you're cooking this this pan with Walrus a pot of fat water. No, okay, yeah. all right, go ahead. And, I'm back in the igloo. You throw in milk. Yes, right? and milk in the pan. Cooking it there, and then you throw with, in some with chocolate. With the walrus fat or you, what? No, no walrus <laughs> no fat. Roast? No Sorry, oh. I added that in. <laughs> and you, you throw in this, this chocolate. and uh, Milk and chocolate. Milk and chocolate. And you let it just simmer there. In the igloo. In the igloo. And then you go to sleep for about an hour. The igloo's melting. No, the fire goes out. Okay. Good. So you're dying of coldness. <laughs> okay. But it's worth now it. Now it's you're wor- freezing to death. It's worth yes. it because yeah. now you have this. Hot chocolate that's been chilled. Oh. And you drink it, and it's amazing right before you pass out. Mm. Mm. <laughs> right before you frostbite yeah. sets yep. in. So a chilled that's great. chocolate. Is, chilled chocolate yeah. with a little whipped cream on top. Yeah, exactly. Little whipped all right. cream. <laughs> all right. And then uh, it, we all have iced or chilled drinks today. We uh, do. Lawrence, yours actually looks like a festive color. It is very festive. Uh, almost the the pink, reddish pink type, uh, depending on how much ice has gotten to it. A little more lighter pink with the ice. Uh, very deep red at the bottom of the drink. But uh, I do believe it's just a strawberry fruit, fruit splash. If there is another flavor in there, I can't get it because the strawberry is so overwhelming. But I'm going to go with the strawberry fruit splash. There probably is like a kiwi or some of their, uh, you know, more mild fruit in there that I'm just not tasting this afternoon. Mm, so okay all right and mine is i suspect sugar-free because the uh coffee shop folks not only are they concerned with my happiness they're also concerned with my healthiness and uh so mine is clear basically clear with ice carbonated sweet like vanilla but Mm. not too sweet and a hint of that sugar-free tastiness that only some of us like other people don't appreciate the sugar-free quality but uh, I do. I think this is sugar-free vanilla fruit splash, which is a little bit of a misnomer because there is no fruit in a vanilla fruit splash. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, But it basically tastes like a sugar-free cream soda. So for the listening audience at home and for our own pleasure here, I have a sugar-free vanilla fruit splash according to the paper here. Well Mango iced tea for Chris. Ah, Chilled go. chocolate for... Sebastian, oh, yes. and a kiwi strawberry fruit oh, splash for Lawrence. I called wow. it. We have never run the table before we have in this game. This never. That's the best I've, in the two or three years I've been up here, that's the best I've that, ever heard. That is amazing, actually. We, I'm, you know, I think I think we deserve a special break for that because <laughs> I, I need to kind we of regroup. I, I, I've never been in this situation before, so I'm a little bit uh, gobsmacked. So we're going to take a short break when we come back. This Day in History with Lawrence Nangas. Stick around. More Live Till 5 after this.
And we're back with a little more live till 5. It's 3.29 p.m. As I accidentally disconnect my microphone on Friday, March 31st. But the show must go on. That's what we say in the biz. Speaking of the biz, someone that's been in it for months. Lawrence Nagengast. Months even. Months. (laughs) Months and a couple days. And he uh, has been a stand-in guest host here. But he's also been carrying the lion's share of the This Day in History segment of our show for two years? Three years? Three. Three years. So out of the 210 episodes, you've probably been on 150 of them. Yeah, I'd say about that. Yeah. Yeah. See, you're a pro. You, I mean, you might be up for an Edward R. Murrow award (laughs) this year. Right? I won't hold my breath. Chris has three or four of them on the shelf. Yeah, I know. He's pretty good. So and then of course good. the golden microphone and uh, golden glove. Uh, I, there's a couple golden different. Gloves. Yeah, golden yeah. glove. Yeah, wow. that's baseball. But yeah, it yeah. works for this biz too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you know, the, the the radio audience. We're constantly the thing. One of the purposes of this show is help educate people. The only baseball terminology that I've that I've actually done on the radio is I've made some errors. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yes. Right, yes. Right. I've dropped a few balls. As Are well. those earned? Yeah. Earned errors? Is that what they call them? Earned yeah. versus yeah. unearned errors. Earned. Yeah. Earned. You earned the error. I mean, um, I didn't. I'm just well, saying. Maybe Chris did. <laughs> Chris, I'm, maybe. I haven't had any of those yet. I'm wondering what is it going to feel like when I eventually do one. So. Golden gloves, no, but errors. Errors, plenty. yes. Okay. There you go. Jeez. Dropped great. fly balls as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. And we've been out in left field. For 210 That's episodes. You've yeah. literally been left That's there. True. Yes, yeah. yes. So, uh, Lawrence, left. it is the 31st, which, it is. of course, March has 31 days. It always has. Of course. Uh, it's the 31st of March. What has happened in history on the 31st of March? Uh, we'll go back to 1521. A little bit of a uh, little-known navigator called Magellan takes possession of Hamahan, uh, which is the archipelago of St. Lazarus in the Philippines. This is right around one of the last things he did in his life uh, because within a few months uh, he will be killed there in the Philippines uh, while the rest of his men journey on and finish the circumnavigation of the earth. Um, but this is kind of one of the last things he does. 1657, English Parliament makes the humble petition to Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell, offering him the crown. He, of course, declined. Uh, he is the one that defeated Charles I, and uh, England was in a bit of a quandary. They didn't really know what to do. Do we now just pick up Cromwell's line and his son starts becoming king, or do we go back and find Charles's kids? And that's exactly what they did. And so you end up with uh, Charles II and um, I believe Edward II. Um, I might have that second name wrong. Anyways, uh, they ended up becoming coming back and being the kings, the next kings of um, of England. Uh, 1814, forces allied against Napoleon capture Paris. This is at the end of the second return of Napoleon. He will be exiled to St. Helena after this. Uh, Of course, his return to Elba was very shocking to all of Europe, even though if you look at a map, uh, find Italy in the northern, maybe third, go directly west of that off the shore of Italy, and you'll find a little island of Elba. So it's not even that far. It's just in the northern Mediterranean Sea. Um pretty interesting they thought you know sure surely he'll never come back from an exile there uh, but he did um eiffel tower officially opens in paris in 1889 today built for the exposition universal at 300 meters high it re- 
retains the record for the tallest man-made structure for 41 years. Uh, of course, now today there's much taller buildings, but at the time that was quite the uh, spectacle in the world. 300 meters, man-made. Um, people still, I believe, can go in it. I don't know how high they can go, maybe to the top. I don't know. Uh, it used to be only stairs until they built an elevator in it, um, but I haven't actually been and seen it. Um, I know uh, they have a annual like race to the top. They do these in mm, skyscrapers as yeah, well. Yes. And... Um, I had read an article in Runner's World a couple of years ago about a lady who was 50 years old, chain smoker, <laughs> overweight. She decided to start doing stairs for her exercise and stop smoking, watch her diet, lost a ton of weight. A couple of years later, she won the race to the top at the Eiffel Tower. Wow. Yeah, I, so. I saw a video of some guys climbing it. On the outside. Uh, yeah, on the outside. Legally? They got caught. No, okay, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> no they got, they got yeah. They got caught, but they didn't. They weren't arrested. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's told a, to get down. There's a, a few videos online of some guy. I guess yeah. it's a thing that yes, people right. climb. Right. You know stuff. But I'm sure. 1933, German Republic gives power to Hitler. Um, in the segment you have coming up, he'll be not a direct role, but definitely part of um, the play tonight and things like that. Yes. 1939, The Hound of the Baskervilles, starring Basil Rathbone. Uh, Sherlock Holmes, what a good name that Love is. Love that one. Yeah. Basil Rathbone. Uh, he is the voice of Sherlock Holmes, and Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson, for the first time, is released, The Hound of the Baskervilles, that is, in 1939. Um, moving on down here further, Labor Party under Harold Wilson win British parliamentary election, um, which hadn't happened a whole lot before. In 1968, LBJ announces, as in Lyndon B. Johnson, announces he will not seek re-election. Uh, his... His time in office um, was not an easy one. He took over after JFK and um, a lot of turmoil in the world at that point. Not a whole lot's changed in reality, but difficult that time. Um, and the last not last few things we have here, 1980, President Jimmy Carter deregulates the banking industry. Um, we have Donald Trump in 1989 purchases Eastern Northeast Shuttle. Um just a business move back then, just a business guy back then. Now here he is, uh, the President of the United States. Come along, or, or you know, lots happened in his life uh, since that point. And uh, the last couple things, uh, two people die from bird flu in China this day in history. What year Four was that? years ago, yeah. 2013, remember that? Yeah. And then also that same year, um, there was some flooding in Martius. Um, Oh yeah, and oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, and a few other things. Actually, I say this every now and then, but I re- I get to the end of of this day in history with the days things that happened in let's say the last ten years. Not a one of them positive. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every one of them bad news. Eleven yeah, people are like, killed. Fourteen people are killed. Right. Uh, killed two people in a flood. Uh, Aloha Airlines are bankrupt. Sydney, two point two million people take a part of the first Earth Hour. That's coming up, I mm-hmm. think, actually today. In Fallu- then there's a Fallujah thing. So, you know. Yeah, it's not it's, like uh, uh, this day in history 11 years ago. You know, uh, a rare People bird in Berlin, yeah, woke up to sunny skies and uh, pleasant weather. Yeah, it is It is pretty sad. Yeah, boy. But, um, we, uh, why don't you just try and come up with some good news for a change? I should. Bro? I should just do what do do the harvest day in history and just talk about go. what happened there today. You go. Yeah, this People. day in history, every week, Spaghetti Friday. Yeah, um, I did. I do get uh, Throwback Thursday, so it's it's one day off. It's still Thursday, 
in with our stateside listeners, but this is Throwback Thursday from our librarian, Bob the Librarian. He sends me this. He gets it through a consortium of librarians, I believe. This fact site, Throwback Thursday. 1842, Dr. Crawford Long conducted the first test of anesthesia when he painlessly removed a tumor from the neck of his patient. I should pre-read these. Uh, He would go on to conduct many tests over the next seven years, but would not reveal his findings until 1849. This proved to be too late since another doctor had already claimed the discovery. Interesting. Anesthesia. I guess there's probably a a lesson in there about, you know... um, I don't know. Early bird gets the worm, I guess is not the right phrase there, but something anyway. No, the early bird better notate his findings. Right, yeah. Like So it has to do with you know, anesthesia. has to do with numbing and painlessly removing and sleeping through, and then he ended up getting the idea stolen. So I don't know. There's there's probably some something there. Anyway, 1969, following his death on March 28th, 34th President Dwight D. Eisenhower laid in repose in Bethlehem Chapel before the funeral procession to the Capitol Rotunda to Lyon State. His body was then transported by funeral to Abilene, Kansas for burial. And then finally, 1981, an assassination attempt was made on President Ronald Reagan. He underwent surgery but made a quick recovery from his wounds. His confident and courageous response to the attack increased his esteem in the eyes of the public. Interesting. And that all happened yesterday, this day in history. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. All right, well, we're going to take a short break. Lawrence, what are you doing this weekend, by the way? Um, Well, actually, there's this little-known ballet coming to town. Yes, Uh Ballet Magnificat, 6 p.m., April 1st, Sister Roberta Center, Mercy Heights, Bearsville, Tamooning, Guam. I'm going there tomorrow. I went to the play last night. Uh, I know you'll talk about it later. It was awesome. Yep, the hiding place. Kids did a great job, and uh, so I'm going to do that. It's a fine arts weekend for you. (laughs) It is. My my culture is overflowing. Yes. Traveling and then... uh, and then now the the uh, ballet and play it's yeah it's awesome. it's well awesome well hey have a great weekend Thank thanks you. for bringing us a little history sure thing uh, Sebastian you're welcome to stay around for the rest of the hour if you like or you're welcome to go home and work perfect your uh, toasting techniques <laughs> toasting techniques because I know you're working on that and Chris we'll <laughs> we'll in the second hour come back to the news a little later listeners we're gonna take a short break when we come back I have the buck stops here some idioms. And some other miscellaneous Stranger Than Fiction things. So stick around. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host of Live Till 5. March 31st, 3.40 p.m. on KHMG. More Live Till 5 after this short break. with a little more live till five how many of you in the listening audience know that tune that little bumper song that was just playing I remember being in elementary school public school I think it was Eastwood Elementary and this was one of the songs that they taught us 
and it still is like in my heart and mind. It shows you how powerful music can be. One song can stick with you for your whole life. It's uh, the city of New Orleans, talking about a train that's called the city of New Orleans. So it's a good little song. Anyway, we'll let that kind of run out as we talk a little bit about what's happening this weekend, including, as I mentioned earlier, the Ballet Magnificat. Only one performance, 6 p.m. April 1st at the Mercy Heights Auditorium, Perisville to Mooning. $20 general admission. America's premier Christian ballet company. Ballet Magnificat. Performing Ruth and The Arrival. Starring our own alumni from Harvest Christian Academy and uh, local son, Christian Crawford. His mom, Denise, is helping bring this ballet company to Guam. If you were listening to the show two weeks ago, I was able to interview Christian and uh, Miss Cassandra as well. And it's going to be really neat for them to be able to perform at the Sister Roberta Center at Mercy Heights, Perisville, Tamooning tomorrow. $20. So if you're listening to this on Saturday during the rebroadcast, it's not too late to attend because it's Saturday evening, April 1st at 6 p.m. Be early. Even if you're in the habit, the culturally acceptable habit of showing up 20 minutes late for something, it's not culturally acceptable when you're going to a formal performance like this. So I would recommend being there a little early. Ballet Magnificat, Ruth and the Arrival, starring Christian Crawford, one of our own sons. And uh, yeah, it's a great thing to do this weekend. Also, if you're listening live on Friday afternoon, it's not too late for you to plan to come to the Harvest production of The Hiding Place, a drama which details the life of Corey Ten Boom. She was from the Netherlands, and her family were hiding Jewish people from Nazi persecution, and they were thrown into concentration camps. And it's the whole story surrounding that, dramatized by our own Harvest drama students. And it's a great drama. It's a very famous drama. It's, it's performed by many schools all around the world. And Harvest Christian Academy performing it tonight. This is the final performance. You can get tickets at the door as you come in. I believe it's $7 for an adult, $5 for a child. I would recommend being here around 630 So you can be here for the performance, which begins at 7 p.m., I believe. So come tonight to the Hiding Place drama. Now, for one of my favorite segments. Called The Buck Stops Here. Words of wisdom from the desks and walls of successful people. Much of my material is taken from a book by the same name. Written by Horace Martin Woodhouse. This book I ordered, I think I got it for 2 or $3, but it inspired me. It's based on the idea of the little desk plaques that people put on their desk that inspire them. The, the phrase, the buck stops here, I have on a wall sign in my office to remind me that I carry a lot of responsibilities and I can't pass on the blame or the responsibility to someone else. Every time I see that, I think... You know, this is my responsibility. And that's what Harry S. Truman had on his desk in the Oval Office. Today, 
someone maybe you've never heard of, Sam Irvin, Democratic U.S. Senator from North Carolina from 1954 to 1974. Irvin was a self-described old country lawyer who became a national figure during the investigation of the Watergate scandals. As chairman of the Senate Select Committee to investigate campaign practices, which was established to investigate Watergate, Irvin was a major figure in Nixon's downfall. With his arching eyebrows and flapping jowls, that signaled the moral indignation at, at much of the testimony before his committee, his half-country, half-courtly demeanor, and uh, predilection for making points by quoting the Bible and Shakespeare and telling folksy stories, Irvin became a hero. And on Irving's desk, Sam Irvin's desk, he had this plaque. No man's life, liberty, or property is safe while the legislature is in session. Interesting, as a 20-year member of Congress, Sam Irvin. And that's The Buck Stops Here. I love hearing what inspires people, even if I don't agree with the person or necessarily the inspiration. It is an interesting study in human behavior, if nothing else, on uh, what inspires people. Hey, maybe you're inspired by idioms. Maybe you're one of those... People, it's like, ah, I love hearing where we get things, where we get certain phrases, the vernacular that we use all the time. It's nice to know where it comes from. Well, you're in the right place because we have a little segment of this show that we talk about idioms. Someone provided me this book, PC, one of our faithful listeners, gave me this Dictionary of Idioms by Marvin Turban, more than 700 sayings and expressions. It's a scholastic book, so it's written for children. And this does help help you identify where did that phrase come from. Matter of fact, last week, one that really was eye-opening was uh, out in the boondocks. Or out, yeah, out in the boondocks, which is a Tagalog phrase. I had no idea that boondock was a Tagalog word. And I had no idea that boonies was part of boondocks. And so it makes sense now hearing the explanation. Well, let me give you a few more because maybe you didn't grow up speaking English or maybe you say a lot of these phrases, but you don't really know where they came from. Hopefully you're using them the right way. Like over a barrel. There are a couple of possible explanations for this idiom. One is that a person rescued from drowning was still often laid over a barrel to help them empty his or her lungs of water. The other is that a person that is about to be flogged or whipped for a crime was often tied over a barrel to hold them down. It means someone that's helpless in someone's power or at a disadvantage. Over the hill, since at least the middle of the 20th century, writers have made comparisons between living your life and climbing a hill or a mountain. When you're young and full of energy, you climb up the hill and head to the top. After that, as you come upon middle age and then old age, your body slows down and you go down the hill. Over the hill, meaning past one's prime. Over your head. This is widely used expression has two meanings. One is that if you invest more and more money than you can afford in a risky business venture, then you are over your head and probably on the road to financial disaster. In this case, you should try to keep your head above water. That's another idiom. The other meaning is that if a person tells a joke or makes a remark that you don't understand and it goes over your head rather than into your brain. So it's either a risky situation or it's something that's beyond your ability to understand, depending on the context. Par for the course. 
Some of you know where this comes from. Some of you have no idea. In the 1920s, this expression, which came from golf, was broadened to include other activities in life. In golf, par is the number of golf strokes it usually takes for a golf expert to play a course. That's how par for the course came to mean a typical or expected result. It usually has a little bit of a negative tone, though. It means just what was expected, normal or typical. How about this one? You know, we're, we're using the phrase, the buck stops here. How about passing the buck? This is a related phrase to our buck stops here uh, segment. To pass the buck. In the 19th century American poker game, buck was a piece of buckshot or a shotgun pellet or a pocket knife with the buckhorn handle. It was passed to you if you were the next dealer. By, the ni- by 1900, passing the buck meant shifting responsibility for something to another person. In 1949, per- President Harry S. Truman put a sign on his desk that read, The buck stops here. That meant that he was accepting personal responsibility for all decisions that needed to be made and all actions that needed to be taken. He wasn't going to direct his problems to anybody else. Passing the buck. To pass on or make another person accept responsibility or blame for something one does not want to accept as his or her own. A couple more here. Pass the hat. At one time, hats were passed around at entertainment events by people asking for money. The custom might have originated with street minstrels who entertained people at the request of payment. And a hat is an excellent container in which to collect money. We literally, in my family, the Baldwin family, one time I had an uncle that was moving to Louisiana, and our family literally passed a hat around and put money in it. It means to ask for a contribution or to beg. Pay through the nose. Here's an idiom from the 1600s. Rhino was once a slang for money, but originally it was Greek word for nose. The two words are similar in sound, and their meaning might have come together to make this expression. Another possibility comes from the Danish authorities charging Irish people a poll tax in the 9th century and cutting off or slitting the noses of those who failed to pay their taxes. Oh, that's brutal. There's also a gambling origin tied to the bleeding of a player, duping him into losing all his money. Now, if you pay through the nose, you'd be paying an extremely expensive price for something. So you can pay an arm and a leg or you can pay through the nose. It means to pay too much. The pen is mightier than the sword. This famous saying was first used in the 1600s, started out as the pen is worse than the sword. The pen and the sword have certain characteristics in common. Both are thin, pointed, handheld. But history has shown that a writer and a statesman using a pen often has a greater effect in the course of events than a military leader or conqueror wielding a sword. Think of the Magna Carta, the Declaration of Independence, and other important writings that have changed the course of history more than wars have. Three more. Penny for your thoughts. Early in the 1500s, when people first started using the expression, a penny was worth more than it is today. So if you offered a penny to a person who is either thinking or daydreaming, you'd be offering uh, a lot to know what's going on in his or her mind. What are you thinking? Tell me what's on your mind. A penny for your thoughts. Penny-wise, pound foolish. This is well-known proverb by the early 1600s in England, where a pound is a unit of money. A penny was also worth much less than a pound. So the expression meant that you were smart about things that were small and careless about things that were big. Penny-wise and pound-foolish. And finally, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. This saying became popular in the 1300s during the time of the English poet Geoffrey Chaucer who used it in one of his books. If you lived in a glass house, you'd better hope that no one would throw stones at you and at it. 
You should not judge other people if you have the same faults that they do. So don't criticize others if you're just as bad as they are. People who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And those are idioms for today. It's fun to talk about idioms. Fun to learn something new. Expand your thinking. This is an educational program. Yeah, that's what it is. So we are glad that you're with us today. Now in the second hour, let me just give you a little heads up of what's coming up. We are going to have, uh, of course, our theme for the day I mentioned earlier is the Netherlands, also known as Holland. But the reason I chose that theme is because of the character, Corey Ten Boom, who is the lead character in the drama, the true drama, which is tonight's Harvest Christian Academy drama, The Hiding Place. It's about a woman from the Netherlands whose family was hiding Jewish people during World War II, and they were sent to concentration camps, and it's her biography. We're actually going to have some audio from her own personal testimony. She lived into the 1970s, I believe, maybe even the 1980s, and we have two clips of her speaking, and I'm going to play those for you in the second hour. We're going to talk a lot about different things that facts about the Netherlands and Holland, because I learned a lot by reading about them. It's one of those nations that if you never had a reason to visit there or read about them, or you don't have family from there, you might not know much about them. And so you might not be a Knickerbocker, I think is what they call Dutch people, or used to at least. That's where they got the name for the New York Knickerbockers, because uh, I think it had to do with the kind of pants they wore, which they call knickers. And so they were the pants that Dutch people wore, and then they're from the Knickerbockers, and et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of influence on American culture and things like that coming from that part of the world. So without further ado, we're going to take a short break for the news. Now, when we come back from SRN News, we'll have Stranger Than Fiction, we'll have our topic of the day, and we'll have some audio testimony from Corey Ten Boom, whose story is The Hiding Place, which is tonight's drama at Harvest Christian Academy Family Life Center, at 7 p.m., you can buy tickets at the door. $7 for adults, $5 for kids. We'd love to have you there. This is Live Till 5 on KHMG Harvest Family Radio, 88.1 FM, Barragata, Guam. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Stick around for SRN News and come back for the second hour of Live Till 5. We're back with a little more live till 5. It's 4.04 p.m. on Friday, March 31st, here at KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, broadcasting from the worldwide headquarters of KHMG, high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries, on the third floor directly above my favorite coffee shop and bookstore, The Hub, Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore, now affectionately known as The Hub. It's an acronym for Hebrews uniforms, and books. So call it the hub, call it Hebrews, call it Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore. People that call it Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore are the originals. They're the OGs of the coffee 
uh, customers. And then the people who called it Hebrews, they came a little later, maybe five years in. And then now the people that call it the hub, they're the newcomers. They're the newbies. They're the ones who only know what, what it's been in the last two or three years. So just so you know, they are interchangeable terms. They have more to do with different epics, different eras of time. So now I do have Chris Harper here, all around good guy and station manager here at Harvest Family Radio. And uh, Seward's Folly, I heard uh, the SRN news guy. Is that yes. a big deal? Like, do they, is there, there's a Seward, Alaska, right? Aren't yes. there places yeah. named after him and William things Seward. like that? Yeah. Yes. And uh, now, was that during the time of William McKinley, and that's why the mountain was named after McKinley, or? Oh, wow, you're asking me well, you were, stuff you're that I don't necessarily Alaska know. Expert. I'm the Alaska expert. Well, yeah. I, I I don't know the answer mm. to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Denali now. Right, right. They changed the name because Which means that's the what they call one it in or Alaska. Something. Yeah, the Great right. One, yeah, in the Athabascan. So. Yeah, yes. okay. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure how that all came about, but we called it Mount McKinley. Well, people near there call it Denali, but mm-hmm. if you go down south to Anchorage, which is nice because it's so nearby Alaska. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, if you go down there, they call it Mount McKinley. Okay. All right. So, yeah. yeah. All right. And where did you live in Alaska? I lived in a little village called Ninana. That's a, a coastal, time. coastal village? Not coastal. No. I lived okay. only in the interior of Alaska. Okay. It's about 400 miles from the ocean or so something how, of that nature. And then you lived in Fairbanks. In, in Fairbanks for about seven years. And that's years. not coastal either. Not coastal. It's so dead center of the middle of the state. No cruise ships come pulling in there. No, well, no cruise ships come through, but there's what's called a land package where they put everybody from the cruise ships on buses and they send them into the interior. Got it. Okay. Almost all, you know, there's a, a large percentage of the uh, cruise ship passengers that buy the land package, especially to Denali Park, which is only a couple hours south of Fairbanks. Okay, so cool. I was very familiar with that area of the interior, but yeah. that's the real Alaska, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's there. If you go to Anchorage um, or some of the the tourist areas on a cruise, it uh, they make everything look very authentic Alaskan. But then if you go up to the interior, if you buy the land package, and I don't know if people are considering uh, traveling to Alaska, but the land package is is the real deal. Yeah. You actually get to see the real Alaska. Sure, sure. Whereas the cruise ships are a little bit plastic. Okay. All right. I was <laughs> just looking at the, uh, the results from the Iditarod, which we talked about a little yeah. bit uh, a couple weeks ago. The Mushers, Mitch Seavey. Mitch Seavey. Bib 16. Uh, he did it in, looks like, uh, oh boy. boy Record time, good. actually. Yeah, it was like... Three days, 14 hours, 15 Couldn't have been minutes. three days. No. On 314, he finished. How about 15 days? or? Fi- I think the record is like nine days. Okay. Keep in mind, it's a 1,000 miles. days. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong time yeah. in, what time he arrived. It's eight days, three hours, 40 minutes, Correct. and 13 seconds. Fastest ever. Average speed, 4.95 uh, miles per hour. Uh, time and route was two hours and 30 minutes. Uh, he arrived safely. And yeah, and he he uh, well yeah to win you have to arrive 
Well, yeah, I guess, I guess you, I mean, I guess you could die at the finish line, but yeah, he <laughs> looks like he, yeah. he won by three hours. I mean, he beat the next competitor. It's a record, though, I Dallas Seavey. Dallas, that's his son. Oh, wow. Great. Who's won three times, I sure. think. Well, I imagine if you go into it like that, you probably, by having more than one person, Yeah. I mean, you're able to watch out for each other I didn't know bit. you were going to bring this up, but Dallas was the youngest ever to win it. Really? Mitch has won it more than once. Um... It was record time. I was there when the 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 previous record holder, Martin Boozer, won, and that was a big deal because he cut off like a day off the. I mean, it's not quite a day, but he cut right. almost a day off the record time, and um, and then the next year, um, close uh, another guy got close to that. It was it. They had some great years of of record time although the route was a little bit different this year i have to say they because there wasn't enough snow in right so they places. moved did they move the route they up moved a little the bit, route yeah. they moved the route north to to get more snow so hmm. yeah but it's yeah it's an interest i i love i love dog mushing and i did not follow the iditarod and i do that out of i i do that on purpose it's like protest it's, it's almost like a protest you'll teach them yeah because that's the famous i the iditarod is the famous race but it's not the 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 most it's not the hardest race it's not right. the most uh i don't know there's there's something so you about you boycotted one, I don't quite boycott it, but one, you know, um, it's it's so for the whole world, it's an obscure event. Obviously, for America and particularly the Great Northwest, it's it's the most iconic event. But, sure, uh, and that's they they've got this they've got they've got sort of the marketing vibe to them, and sure. then and then if you go to the Yukon Quest, which is the one I'm really a fan of, mm-hmm. it's like the real. Yeah. yeah, the real deal, you know, the very gritty yeah. race. More it's, dangerous. Yeah. More, yeah, yeah, exactly. Somebody could die out there, yeah, you know, sure. and then they did a rod. It's like there'll be, there'll be, uh, you get to the checkpoints and there's a hundred reporters there, mm-hmm. you know, whereas if you get to the checkpoint uh, at the, in the Yukon Quest and there's just some old grizzled guy in a cabin and he <laughs> fixes you stew, you know, oh, it's wow. just, wow. I mean, it's, that's, uh, and I, I kind of like that. That's sure. That make gives me a better feeling, you know. Sure, sure. Well, so, that's yeah. It kind know. of is like uh, pre-marketing days, you yeah. know. It's, yeah, that's yeah, neat. that's cool. So I like it. All right. So on to less obscure news. Uh, what's happening in the world right now? Well, uh, there's a couple of stories that we've we've covered kind of long term. One of them was Brexit, and that started. Uh, boy, it's been well over a year ago now. I'm not not exactly sure how uh, long ago, but we've we've started covering it, and now kind of the reality of Brexit has begun because the European Union is going to be telling telling Britain on Friday how it aims to negotiate its orderly withdrawal from the bloc, limit uncertainties for businesses, and pave the way for a close to future partnership. Donald Tusk, who chairs the European Council, will send leaders of the other 27 member states his proposed negotiating guidelines for Brexit talks before presenting the main principles in Malta two days after British Prime Minister Theresa May formally triggered the two-year withdrawal process. And to tell you how much of a geek I am on this, I was actually watching this announcement live just because it's a big historic event, but I I watched it live on Facebook Live um, from the BBC, and it was pretty interesting. 
um, the reactions were. I mean, of course, it's just an enormous thing in Europe right. at the moment. So uh, Tusk will spe- uh, speak around 9.45 a.m. alongside the Maltese premier, Joseph Musket, whose government holds the bloc's rotating presidency. Shortly beforehand, EU envoys from the 27 governments will meet in Brussels to study the draft guidelines. Once endorsed by leaders at the summit on April 29th, these will pave the way for talks, which the EU's chief negotiator, Michael Barnier, expects to start in about two months. So it's really going to happen. And uh, one of the, you know, the quotes that was pulled out from Theresa May's uh, presentation of this the other night was she said, there's no turning back. And of course, there's a lot of booze in the chamber from opposing sides. But she's right. There is no turning back. It's done now. So it's just a matter of uh, negotiating that withdrawal from the EU. And I would make note of the historical context of this because it's basically uh, one of the biggest economies of the EU pulling out. And it, it signals to other big economies that feel like they're suffering as part of the European Union that now it's it's real it's okay to pull out so they're they're very worried the european bloc is very worried about a country like france pulling out as well cuz it's very very being in europe is very unpopular in france and of course they've got some uh what they call in in europe extreme right wing leaders who are also very very popular in the election there like marie le pen and others anyway i get into this geeky yeah, stuff well, it's, with it, european politics it, but if you look at uh, what the potential ramifications could be is countries that are financially sound leave right. the EU and just leave all the drowning countries to cling on to one another, which oh. is a disaster. They're desperate to prevent yeah. that Greece from happening. being one, you know. Right. Yeah. And the, the one that, that bears a lot of the burden being one of the um, financially solvent countries is Germany. Yeah which yeah. is in pretty good shape and it would be just disaster if Germany pulled out. Yeah. So uh, they're very, very concerned. Uh, we also usually make mention of uh, North Korea. Yes. Because of their proximity. Uh, the United States wants China to prove it is really seeking to stop North Korea's nuclear testing with actions. And President Donald Trump will be pressing the Chinese president on that when they meet in Florida next week. Now, U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley said the Trump administration has no patience for the cat and mouse situation in which North Korea's nuclear and ballistic missile tests and other provocations are met only with U.N. Security Council resolutions that Pyongyang ignores. So they want some action to happen here. She said that the U.S. cannot change the way North Korea thinks, but that perhaps China could China is North Korea's most important source of diplomatic support and economic assistance, and it has long urged a resumption of six-nation denuclearization talks that have been on hold since North Korea withdrew back in 2009. Uh, a story that, that I just thought was interesting, Panera Bread on Friday will begin to roll out a new labeling of added sugars and calories in sodas and other self-serve fountain beverages. So I guess they're letting you know that there's added sugar, which it seems kind of 
hilarious that someone would get a fountain drink and not think that there are added sugars well they also have that famous green tea which people might be mistaken to think oh this is healthy because green tea but it's actually kind of like our lipton tea where it's definitely very sugary i i can i could see why they would do that at least on the tea so that people don't think they're getting something healthier than it really is sure this is a, of course, a voluntary step right, that they're right. taking, and uh, yeah. So you can check your calories on your soda while you're eating your giant blueberry muffin, two cookies, and a baguette, right? In a soup with a bread bowl soup cheddar combination. My recommendation to you, if you want to eat healthy, is probably just not go to fast food. Yes, that well, would be a start, particularly Panera you, but, Bread. I mean, okay. that place is awesome, yeah. but. You're not going there for your health, that's for sure. No, no. You're going there for the taste of the food. Uh, The move comes at a time when casual restaurant chains from McDonald's to Starbucks have been under pressure from slack demand, and it underscores the pressure that soft drink makers are facing because both of these are facing sales declines, and that's Mm -hmm. the situation they're in. The U.S. government last year said that companies need to detail how much added sugar is in packaged foods, but restaurants don't have the same requirements. Governments worldwide are seeking to impose taxes on sweetened beverages. That goes back to our discussion of Europe because there are all manner of taxes on things like soft drinks. They're uh, value-added taxes. Uh, A 94-year-old Indiana woman is celebrating, speaking of fast food, 44 years of work at McDonald's. The Evansville Courier and Press reports friends and co-workers threw a party for Lorraine Maurer of Evansville last week. Maurer started working at McDonald's in 1973. She's been a fixture behind the counter at several locations in the area ever since. Uh, basically, it's kind of a milestone for a McDonald's employee. I was just thinking that uh, that that number, 44 years, my parents were foster parents in Washington State for 44 years. Wow. And they were the longest-serving foster parents in the history of Washington State. So 44 years is a long time. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's the news. Those are things that probably weren't covered on SRN News, but all of these stories I got from SRN. You can find them on the website. Can I mention something here, though? No, actually, no. The, you don't have time? No, I'm just kidding. You oh. go right ahead. You okay. don't even have to ask. This is, You're the station manager. I am the interloper. You are the manager. <laughs> wow. Well, um, I was there, there was something that came up while I was on srnnews.com that I was just going to mention because we mentioned by we, I just mean me. Oh, <laughs> I mentioned from time to time. It's a collective me. I, I mentioned from time to time um, the idea of where we're going with news in the country. And I just noticed that um, I had been noticing on other websites the same trend. And now I'm noticing it even on SR, srnnews.com is that the editorial pieces, the opinion pieces, are mixed right in with the news content. So I clicked on a story because it sounded interesting. I don't remember what it was about, but uh, I clicked on the story, and I looked down. It was a political piece, or or it could be construed as political. It was a government-oriented piece, but... Uh, And I started to read through, and I noticed opinion after opinion after opinion after opinion. Well, after reading about half of it, I realized this is an opinion piece. This is not a news piece at all. Yep. Totally editorial. And then I I went back to where I clicked, 
And I looked in, and it was right in the middle of all the rest of the news content. And that's a theme I've seen on pre on other websites as well. Just totally just mixed in there. Sure. And you're seeing opinion pieces. So I just thought that was interesting. It's a trend that I've been seeing, and it's just a, a little um, note to pass along to people that um, if they're looking for news content, um, they should sort of beware that that's something people are doing without any thought whatsoever. And, and you know, in, in – I guess in old journalistic thinking, that would be kind of a crazy thought that the editorial content would just would be just mixed in. But they also do that today with uh, with advertising content. If you've noticed, if you're looking through a magazine and you'll you'll start reading what you believe to be an article, yes, it turns out you look at the bottom, it's just an advertisement, right? right. But they make it they the formatting, the way the pictures are, the font, right? They I think some periodicals maybe have standards that are supposed to make it look just slightly different, but many of them, if you don't look at the advertisement in the bottom, it makes it look like an independent study, but it might just be a ad piece. Right. I, I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal online for a class I'm taking through Maranatha, Dr. Yeah. Fafi. Yeah. And um, so as you, as you scroll through the top articles, it just has the title of the article, and then it goes right into the first paragraph. You click on it, you read it, and you don't know what uh, type of article it is, until you open it up and get all the way through the story. So the the first paragraph, which really is the clickbait to get you to read the story, right. does not have any indication whether or not this is an editorial. Is it an opinion? Is it hard news? You know. So yeah. I, I noticed that the other day I was looking for an article about innovation or something for this class, and yeah, it was. Uh, there are a number of opinion pieces that are in there, and you don't realize it till you clicked on it, read it a little bit. So and and it's why you get this view that uh, people don't believe what the publications are are printed well printing it's a yeah. it's a, a generic term for publishing right right, right? right. but um, people don't believe it and you can see why when I worked in a newsroom if the idea of putting opinion pieces in with the news would have been actually considered unethical right 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 um, I think those days are pretty you're much kind of tricking people. Yeah, kind of tricking people. Yeah, they need to they need to know whether this is just someone's opinion, right? Or whether they're doing their best. Again, it's not always they're not always doing this, giving you facts, but right. they're doing their best to give you facts, right? So they need to determine. So I just thought I just found yeah, that interesting sure. as I was going through, and it tricked me for sure. Well, it's it seems like it's a more common practice. So thanks for the news, Chris. Yep. Have a great weekend. We're going to continue on with Live Till 5 here shortly and uh, have a little Stranger Than Fiction. Also going to be talking about our topic of the day, which is the Netherlands, and listening to some testimonial from Corey Ten Boom, whose biography is what tonight's drama at Harvest Christian Academy is based on, The Hiding Place, 7 p.m. in the Family Life Center. You can go there, buy tickets at the door, $7 for adults, $5 for children, and be early so you can get a good seat. A little more live till five after this short break. Back with a little more live till five. I'm your host Jared Baldwin. 4:28 p.m. on Friday, March 31st. A beautiful 
mostly sunny afternoon, a little breezy outside. 13 mile per hour gusts coming from the north by northeast. Oop, just went up to 18 mile per hour gusts, so a little bit breezy. Make sure your hat is firmly secured upon your head. Unless you're wearing a bonnet, then you can kind of tie it under your chin as you ride in your buggy here to Harvest Christian Academy this evening to watch The Hiding Place. Now, before we talk about the topic of the day, which is the Netherlands, and listen to Corey Tin Boom's own testimonies. We have audio recording of Corey Tin Boom. Before we talk about that, I want to share at least two or three Stranger Than Fiction stories with you that I read in Dispatch's Quick Takes from World Magazine, including this one, speaking of students. After playing hooky for more than six decades, Norm Johnson finally has his diploma. In 1950, a judge in California gave Johnson, now 83, a choice. Sign up for the military or stop skipping class at San Diego High School. Now, that was a pretty common thing, I believe, back in the day. The 17-year-old Johnson chose the Air Force. In the ensuing years, Johnson served as a bodyguard for General Douglas MacArthur, took community college classes, became a newspaper writer. On February 8th, Johnson got an honorary diploma from the San Diego County Office of Education. He said, I was surprised that it actually does matter to me this much. That's what he told the LA Times. How about this? Does this mean Nebraska needs a new flag? For 10 days, the flag in Nebraska flew upside down over the state capitol in Lincoln without anyone noticing. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Um, State Senator Burke Hart revealed the faux pas in February when he introduced a resolution to redesign the state flag. The North American Vexillological Association ranks the current Nebraska flag, which features a detailed state seal on a blue background, among the worst state flags in the nation. Hmm, interesting. And finally, residents of Henrietta, Oklahoma, were looking forward to a local Valentine's dance this year. That is, until they realized attending the event would be illegal. An obscure town ordinance long on the books forbids dancing within 500 feet of a house of worship, which meant the scheduled dance at Rosie Levon's Marketplace wouldn't be lawful. It's never been enforced my entire life, said Henrietta Mayor Jennifer Klassen of the ordinance, according to KTUL, local radio station affiliate there, but I'd never looked at it because it never came up, she said. While the town police chief confirmed that he had no intention of breaking up illegal shindigs, the organizer of the Valentine's Dance canceled the event anyway. That's largely because the organizer's husband is the city's attorney. He said his oath is to uphold the law, Clausen explained. The city council planned to discuss abolishing the ordinance at their February meeting. I'd like to know if they did indeed get to abolish that law. So, now... Let's get down to business. We have our topic of the day is the Netherlands. I wanted to give you a few fast facts about the Netherlands because unless you have a little Dutch in your history, unless you're you're a Knickerbocker, unless you, you know a little bit about the Netherlands or Holland, uh, it's a fascinating little country in Europe there. Let me give you some stats. The Netherlands is also known as Holland. That answers about half the questions I've ever had about it. The capital and its largest city in the Netherlands is Amsterdam. Other major cities include Rotterdam, The The Hague, and Eindhoven, and Utrecht. Around 20% of the Netherlands is located below sea level. That's very interesting. The Netherlands border Belgium and Germany. The population of the Netherlands in 2013 was estimated around 17 million. The main language 
is Dutch. Isn't that interesting? So it's called the Netherlands, but it's also called Holland, but they speak Dutch. I thought they spoke Hollandaise or something. The majority of Dutch people, I'm just kidding, I knew they spoke Dutch. The majority of Dutch people can speak more than one language. The Netherlands is part of the European Union and uses the euro as its currency. Also includes the islands in the Caribbean, including Bonaire. I believe that's where Transworld Radio has a transmitter for South America. Uh, also, Sint, Eustabius, and Saba. There are around 20 national parks in the Netherlands. The Netherlands is a developed nation with strong experts, exports and a number of industries. Many of the world's tomatoes, cucumbers, and flowers are exported from the Netherlands. The Netherlands is a tolerant country with liberal, liberal policies. Dutch drivers use the right side of the road. That's interesting. Same side as the U.S. Vincent van Gogh is perhaps the most famous Dutch painter. Dutch people enjoy a range of sports, including soccer. You'll notice that they wear orange, which we'll talk about in a minute. Swimming, volleyball, golf, tennis, and hockey. A few other stats. The head of state is Queen Beatrix, and they have a constitutional monarchy. The Hague is their seat of government. Their capital is Amsterdam. Voting is not compulsory. They also have a uh, about 143,000 immigrants. They have, as far as non-Netherland people, non-Western natives, 1.8 million, and non-natives, 1.44 million. They also are a country for asylum seekers from mostly Iraq, Somalia, and China. Average income, 31,000 euros. Population below the poverty lines, 10.9%. Average life expectancy, 78 years for men and 82 for women. Healthy to very healthy amount of people, 81%, but very interesting, 32% of people in the Netherlands smoke. So they live long. 81% are considered healthy to very healthy, yet 32% are daily smokers. There are only 112 prisoners per 100,000 people. Walking in the dark, perception of safety, this is called, 81% feel safe. Broadband subscribers, 4.1 million. Internet users, 15 million. Happiness level, quite happy, 55%. Will fight for their country, 69%. They trust people, 54%. Mobile phones, 72%. Average age of marriage, 30 years old for men, 28 years old for women. Most households only have 0.3 children, apparently, 2.3 per household. Very interesting. I was trying to think, do I know of any famous Dutch people? And then I looked it up on the Biography Channel on their website, and there are a lot of famous Dutch people. Some more famous than others, depending on what you've studied. Like Erasmus was Dutch. He's a scholar and a linguist. William de Kooning, he's a painter. John Cryoff was a, a soccer player. Let's see here. Peter Minuet was a government official and explorer. Vincent van Gogh, of course, a painter. David Petraeus was a general. And he, is, he actually is a retired general in the United States. Eddie Van Halen, guitarist, still alive. Corey Tin Boom, who we're going to hear from here in a moment. Jordan Vandersloot was uh, someone famous for uh, criminal activity in the Caribbean. Robin Van Persie, famous soccer player, still very famous, actually. One of the highest paid, I believe, and highest scoring soccer players in uh, in the world. Wesley Schneider, 
soccer player as well. Well, let's see here. A lot of famous soccer players from there. Jean Vermeer, Vermeer was a painter. And then, of course, a number of other famous painters, which I will list for you here in a second. Uh, let's see here. Gerard Kuiper was an astronomer, educator, and scientist. William Eindhoven, scientist and physiologist. Uh, let's see here. Peter Cooper, philanthropist in the 171800s, And then a number of others. So let's talk a little bit about the Netherlands and Holland. Like, what's up with those wooden shoes? We used to have a staff member here, April Briggs, who became April Briggs Middaw. Her family was Dutch. There were a lot of Dutch immigrants to New York, where her family's from. And she would wear these wooden clog shoes. So, according to the internet, what's up with the wooden shoes? Well, in the Middle Ages, because shoes were so expensive, most lower-class Dutch did not have shoes at all or only had shoes for special occasions. Wooden clogs became popular in the 16th century because they were inexpensive to make, practical, and durable in working conditions. Clogs protected feet from impact by tools, could easily be removed, and were ideal for farmers walking in the mud. Some clogs were even designed with pointed toes to help fishermen quickly pull in their nets. Very interesting. So as we saw earlier, the head of state in the Netherlands is Princess Beatrix, the Dutch monarch who abdicated the throne, lost a son, and married a former member of the Hitler Youth. Very interesting article here. She abdicated her throne after 33 years, following her mother and grandmother's example. They both did the same thing. She lived in the United Kingdom and Canada during World War II. Her husband was a member of the Hitler Youth. Queen Beatrix, Princess Beatrix, was the subject of a scandal when the palace announced her engagement to German diplomat Klaus von Amsberg. From a noble, though untitled, German family, Klaus was a member of the Hitler Youth and the subgroup Deutsches Jungvolk as a child, required by law at the time. When he turned 18, he was drafted in the German Armed Forces, where he fought in Italy and was taken as a prisoner of war by the U.S. Her second son died after spending 18 months in a coma following a ski accident. Very sad. And she's well-connected with other European royal families. Although she may no longer be a monarch herself, Beatrix still shares a close connection with other European heads of state. She's a cousin of King Garl Gustav of Sweden and godmother to his eldest daughter and heir to the throne, Crown Princess Victoria. She's distantly related to Queen Elizabeth II and sits at about 888th on the British list of succession, as well as being a close friend of hers. So, that's Queen Beatrix. If you've never heard of her, don't feel bad. Also, why do the Dutch wear orange? I mean, I could not figure that out. When you watch the World Cup, they wear orange. Their, their uniforms are orange. If you've ever watched the Dutch national soccer team, this is from Dutch Amsterdam's website, DutchAmsterdam.com. The Dutch national soccer team play football anywhere in the world. If you've been to Amsterdam during Holland's annual King's Day celebration, formerly called Queen's Day, you may wonder why nearly all Dutch people dress in orange. So, why is it orange? Why is that the color when their flag is actually red, white, and blue? Well, let me tell you. The answer is simple. Orange is the color of the Dutch royal family, which hails from the House of Orange. More specifically, the House of Orange Nassau in Dutch, Huys van Orange Nassau, a branch of the German House of Nassau, has played a central role in the political life of the Netherlands and at times in Europe. 
since William I of Orange, Orange, also known as William the Silent or Father of the Fatherland, organized the Dutch revolt against the Spanish rule, which after the 80 years war led to independent Dutch state. Wikipedia also notes that the Prince of Orange is a title of nobility originally associated with the Principality of Orange in what is now southern France. And so, you know, you can go on with history and stuff, but basically um, you have the red, white, and blue flag, which is the tricolor flag. And then, of course, you have the color orange comes out to symbolize the country itself. And so they love their flag, but they also love the color orange, and the two kind of go together. So uh, it's very interesting. Now, before we go to Corny Tin Boom, I wanted to share with you also a little bit about the Dutch Masters. We've talked about the Dutch Masters in the past. And when I say Dutch Masters, there are two kinds of people. What kind are you? When I say Dutch Masters, what does it make you think of? Hmm. That says a lot about your background. So if you said, oh, painters, the Dutch Master are painters, you're probably in the majority except for one small sliver of the American population, which when you say Dutch masters, they think of cigars. Matter of fact, according to Wikipedia, Dutch masters is a brand of natural wrapped cigars sold in the United States since 1912. Its distinctive packaging features Rembrandt's 1662 painting, The Syndics of Draper's Guild, uh, or Da Stalemeesters. Dutch Masters cigars are currently manufactured, sold by Altadis USA, Inc., which is American subsidiary of the French-Spanish-based Altadis SA in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They are machine-rolled cigars. They come in two main varieties, full-size and smaller, Cigarillos, colloquially known as Mini Dutches. And basically, it's a very recognizable package. So my connection to this, if you would have said Dutch Masters to me as a child, I would have said... Cigars, of course, because my grandfather smoked Dutch Master cigars. So we had the little cardboard box with the picture of Rembrandt's painting on top, and it said Dutch Masters, and it had that tobacco smell coming from the box, that, that cigar tobacco smell. And uh, he smoked the full-size ones. He was a World War II vet and uh, kind of a, a tough guy. And so he smoked at least, I think, one cigar a day. And um, he would, he would of course, give the box, you know, we would collect our coins in a Dutch master's box or we'd put pictures in it. Whatever it was, those boxes were really kind of like really cool little containers to keep. Anything he put in there would have that smell, that Dutch master's smell. So to some, it's a repulsive smell. To me... Not so repulsive because it reminds me of my childhood. But the Dutch Masters, for those of you who are a little bit older than me, well known in the late 1950s and early 60s for its sponsorship of various television projects, according to Wikipedia, including comedian Ernie Kovacs. Um, He was a famous comedian, but also a famous Dutch Master cigar smoker. Um, Oh, no, he didn't smoke Dutch Masters on camera but uh, or off camera. He was, however, appreciative of Dutch Masters allowing him nearly completely creative freedom in the production of their sponsored shows and commercials. His silent Dutch Masters commercials have become classics in their own rights. You can look them up on YouTube. Dutch Masters cigars gained notoriety in the early 1990s, mainly because the Dutch's 
being mentioned numerous times in hip-hop songs and things like that. So it's kind of, this generation knows it totally different than the old generation of my grandparents. But the most of us, what we should know them for, Dutch masters should be synonymous with famous painters. And there are 10 very important famous painters, a few of them maybe you've heard of. Rembrandt, of course. Uh, Van Gogh. Let's see. Peter Bruckel, the elder. Jan Steen. I got to see some of these at a museum recently. Uh, Hieronymus Bosch. I always say that name wrong, but very distinctive-looking paintings. Lucas van Leiden. Franz Hals. Hendrik Terbruggen. And uh, Rachel Roisch. William Kalf, and I believe those are all of them there, but Van Gogh, probably the most famous of all the Dutch masters. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break, then I'll come back and I'll do a little introduction of the audio clips we're going to play of the very famous speaker, Holocaust survivor, Corey Ten Boom. So stick around, a little more Live Till 5 after this short break. Welcome back to a little more live till 5. It's 4.48 p.m. on Friday afternoon, March 31st. You can always catch us, khmg.org. You can also listen to the rebroadcast of this show, noon to 2, Saturdays, 7 and 9 p.m., Sunday nights. Catch us on The Rebound on 88.1 FM. Let us know you're listening through Facebook, Harvest Family Radio. Just look us up and uh, follow us on Facebook. Now, without further ado, I'd like to give some time here. I have a two-part segment, four minutes and five minutes, of Corey Ten Boom, who is the subject of The Hiding Place, a book, which is kind of a biography, autobiography, and then now a it was a movie and a drama, tonight's drama here at Harvest Christian Academy. Come around 6.30, get your tickets, come in and watch the dramatized version of the story of Corey Ten Boom's life and uh, without further ado, here is Corey Timboom talking about her own experiences. Once I was in Australia, and I met a Dutchman. He said, do you remember that I lived in Harlem, your hometown? And do you remember that you brought me a Jewish baby boy of two weeks old? I said, no. I know that there were about hundred, but to whom I send him, I don't know. Yet I will never forget it. We had... Um, had a baby and had died and my wife cried one evening she said look now I have all, everything for a baby but my heart and hands are empty and then there was a knock at the door and there came a boy and he said Corrie the mom asks will you save a Jewish baby boy and we said yes and you brought us the most beautiful baby boy we have ever seen in our life we have adopted him later we went to Australia and he has always been a good son for us. And he turned and said, Martin, come here. And there came a 14-year-old Jewish boy to me. He said, that's the baby that you have born. 
I was so moved. Eh? And uh, a beautiful boy it was. Eh? And Martin and I became friends. I went with the people that evening to have a Dutch cup of coffee. And Martin was just asking me questions. And we were, he was just looking at me. The lady who has saved my life. The next day, Martin came in school and he said to the teacher, May I say something to the boys and girls? He said, Go ahead. He said, boys and girls, yesterday I have met a lady and she has saved my life when I was two weeks old. And boys and girls, I think I will be a good boy now, for she has also taught me how to ask Jesus to come into my heart. And Jesus in my heart will make me a good boy. That was for me the evidence that he really meant it. When Jesus is in your heart, you have a burden for souls. Once there was an, a woman with a baby in my house. And I didn't know uh, where to bring her. Uh, my house was full already. And there came a uh, minister, visiting father. And uh, father said to him, Will you save a baby? It is in great danger. And the mother's in danger. And the pastor said, What? Do you mean that they are Jews? Yes. He said, No, I dare not do that. And don't tell me that you do such things. You are 84 years old, and when you save Jewish people, do you know that you can come in, in prison? Uh, that can take your life. Yes, Father said, I know it. And I know that when they bring me in prison, I'm too old for prison life. But when that should happen, it should be an honor to give my life for God's ancient people, the Jews. And the minister said, no. Uh, I, I will not help you and I, you must stop this work and then I came in with a baby and father took that baby in his arm I will never forget that father such a long beard such like a patriarch eh? and he had that baby in his hand and he, he was fond of, of children and he looked at that little baby with such a love and he said is it worthwhile to give my life for this baby and that minister turned around and left yes father really has given his life for God's ancient people and I believe in the blessing of Abraham those who bless Abraham will be blessed and those who curse Abraham will be cursed and I believe that I have such a tremendous blessed life as 80 years old woman that I can bring the gospel almost every day and I can go on with my work and by, by the book and by the film it will be I will have more opportunities than ever before and I believe I have to thank that through the blessing of Abraham you know I am a, a very very uh, stupid when you awaken me in the midst of the night I am a, a deep sleeper and very often the Gestapo came in the night. So I said once to the, the, these underground workers who were in my, in my house, say, uh, I went early to bed and they went very late to bed. Before you go to sleep, try to uh, find out if there are Jews in, in the house. So they awakened me and said, where are the six Jews you have in the house? And I tried to be very clever and said, no, I have not six Jews, I have only two Jews. And they said, auntie, 
Tante, you are so stupid to say that. Of course you must say we have no juice. I said, oh, that's true. Now try it tomorrow again. And they awakened me again. Then they said, Tante, that's auntie, Tante, uh, where are the ration cards you have for the, for the juice? So I thought now they are in the secret closet, so I must say something else. And I said, they are in the big clock in the, in the shop. He said, Tante, you must not save another, another place, but you must save. We have no ration card for the Jews. So, uh, I said, yes, I see it. I am so stupid. Now be sure that you, you, uh, do this till I am really, um, trained to say good answers when you just get me from my sleep. And there was a, f- a friend of the police and, uh, he worked with us together and sometimes he came also and asked me questions and after I believe after the tenth time they said now you have passed your examination and you are uh, you know what to answer when later I was uh, was questioned by the real Gestapo I was so trained that it was not difficult to answer once I was ill and when I was uh, dreaming in my feverish dreaming, I heard the alarm. We had through our whole house alarm buttons. And I thought, how strange this alarm. Uh, that seems that, that there is really danger. The secret room was in my bedroom. So I saw the Jews who were in the house ran to the secret room. I said, what's the matter? They said, this real alarm. So I understood the Gestapo had found our address. Uh, they all disappeared uh, into the secret room. Then I saw my little bag. And I knew in my bag, my handbag, were uh, ration cards and uh, all kinds of things. So I just opened the, the secret room again and threw my bag into that hiding place. And then suddenly the Gestapo, there came a man in and said, uh, you are a Jew. I said, no, I am not. He said, uh, what is, uh, give me your um, identification card. So I took, I gave it, but when I took it from that little uh, bag, there was also money, and he grasped that money and uh, put it in his back pocket. And then... Uh, he uh, saw that my identification card was okay but he said uh, um, arise, stand up and uh, you are my prisoner and then I came downstairs but now there was one moment and that was a terrible temptation I knew that there was a danger that I could be arrested and I had a little bag what I call my prison bag, and I had the most important things in it, a toothbrush and a little aspirin and all the little soap and all things. I had put it before the opening of the secret room that when I take that bag, the opening is not seen because it was closed and was very well made, but it could be that because there was no uh, nothing in that, it could be dangerous. And because it could be dangerous, I did not take that bag with me. And oh, later when I thought, oh, if only I had had that bag, huh? 
If only, oh, when I think was all what was all in that bag, soap and a toothbrush, I had nothing at all. Five weeks, I had absolutely nothing. But then I understood this was a sacrifice. And I don't know if you understand it, but it was one of my greatest sacrifices that I did not take that bag, and I'm glad I didn't. Because here I saw that the Lord gave me grace to sacrifice for other people. That was Corey Ten Boom and her own words, her own testimony, just little stories from her time during the World War II era, housing Jewish people, eventually being captured, thrown into prison, seeing her own family members suffer. She suffered yet Christ touching her heart and using that suffering as a way to deliver a message of hope and forgiveness to thousands, maybe even millions of people around the world. And you can get a little bit of that tonight if you come to Harvest Christian Academy on this Friday night, March 31st. Come around 6.30 p.m., buy your tickets, seven for adults, five for children at the Harvest Family Life Center, The Hiding Place. Now that's it for Live Till Five. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. Have a great weekend.